0: morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. How about I pray and we will uh, keep looking at this passage. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that this morning we've had the opportunity to hear it read to us, that we've been able to pray from it, that we've been able to sing it together. I pray that as we continue to dig into it now, that you would show us your son and how wonderful and marvelous he is that you would show us who he is so that we might follow him all the days of our life amen now before we continue is there something i need to do with this no okay you want me to use this all right i'll keep going just give me a wave if you need a bit of change well let me tell you about these youth camps i used to go on when i was a teenager and going to youth group uh, back on the central post uh, the leaders used to organize this youth camp at the end of the year would go to a local caravan park by the beach, and, and it, was, it was just like a, a little group, so the leaders organised everything. There's maybe like a dozen leaders for 30 kids, uh, and they organised the campground, they made sure we were all there with tents and things, they organised the Bible teaching and the activity, they also organised the food. It, it was pretty chill, like most of the time would be hanging out, going to the beach, things like that. Uh, There were such great times, I really loved and valued them. But there was one year, one year, where the person who was organising all the food for us, the leader who was in charge of food, had reflected on the last few years of the camp and realised that usually what happens when they cater for the camp is people would over-cater. They'd make sure there's more than enough food, too much food even, which would mean there'd be lots of waste, and it will cost a bit more. And so this leader's like, well, you know what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to strategically under cater. I'm going to make, bring just a bit less so that actually in the end it'll be the perfect amount. Now, I don't know about you, but looking back, I don't think I would have wanted to spend a weekend with 30 hangry teenagers. The problem was there was not nearly enough food. We arrived on the Friday night and we'd all had dinner on the way, so, so we're happy with dinner. And supper was a bit light, but we're like, sure, whatever, we're all all arrived. we're setting up stuff, people are busy, sure, it's just a bit light, that's okay. But the next morning we realised that something was a bit off when, you know, most of us only had one pancake and that was it. A few lucky people got to have two, but we were really hankering for lunch, but lunch was really small and, and we had these really tiny little hamburgers and there was no seconds and man, we were hungry all weekend. And the first meal we had when we got home, I don't even remember what it was, it was probably like steamed Brussels sprouts, but I bet it was the best meal I've ever eaten in my whole entire life. Have you ever been really, really hungry like that? Have you ever been just, you can feel your tummy gurgling the whole time, it feels like there's a black hole in there and it needs to be filled. But food's not the only thing we ever hunger for, is it? We can hunger for other things, other than food. Uh, and so I want to ask you say, what, what are you hungry for, other than food? And don't worry, I'm not going to go so long that you've become hungry for food today. Uh, I'll make sure you get out in time for lunch. But what other things are you hungry for? What, what things are you craving for that aren't yet being satisfied here and now? What is missing in your life? Now, as we look at this account where Jesus satisfies the physical hunger of this crowd he gives them food and they fill and have their they eat and they have their fill it also shows us that jesus can satisfy those deeper hungers that we have today i'll show you three different ways jesus satisfies our hunger he satisfies our hunger for salvation He satisfies our hunger for compassion and he satisfies our hunger for hope there are three things we're going to be looking at today Let's jump into the first one, hunger for salvation. And let's start by looking back at this miracle again. Let me quickly summarise it for us all so we're familiar with it. Uh, I'm sure you are familiar with it because this is the only miracle that appears in each of the four Gospels. So there's something important here that every single Gospel writer wants to get across to us. So in verse 13, uh, Jesus receives some kind of news and that news prompts him to hop in a boat and head across the lake to the other side. We've seen the last few weeks, this lake's come into it a fair bit. There was the storm on the lake. Jesus keeps crossing the lake. We're talking about that same lake in the north of Israel. heads over to the other side, but when he arrives there, there's this huge crowd. Verse 21 tells us there's 5,000 men, plus women and children. So we're looking at maybe 10,000 plus people, okay? This huge crowd awaits him as he arrives on the other side. And Jesus hops out of his boat, and begins ministering to the crowd. He begins serving them by healing their sick. And he keeps healing the sick and keeps healing and keeps healing for so long that it starts to grow late. It grows into the evening. And so the disciples approach him and say, Jesus, look, it's it's getting late. These people, they're hungry. You need to send them away so they can go into the surrounding villages and buy some food so they can eat and have their fill. But Jesus isn't ready to stop. He wants to keep ministering to the crowd. He wants to keep serving them and showing compassion on them. And so he says to the disciples, you feed them. You you feed them. You, You go get some food for them and you feed them yourself. But all they have is five loaves of bread and two fish. And when it says loaves of bread, we're not talking about, you know, supermarket loaves of bread this big that can feed a family for a day. We're talking probably large bread rolls. So a pack of bread rolls and two small fish. That's all there is, probably enough for one adult, maybe enough for a couple of kids to share. That's it, that's all they have. And the disciples know this isn't enough, and so they say, well, Jesus, all we have is this pack of bread rolls and two small fish, what are we going to do with it? And Jesus does what only God can do. He takes what is not enough for us, and he provides more than enough for everyone, for 10,000 plus people, plus 12 baskets of leftovers. Jesus provides for this hungry crowd. But there's more going on here than just Jesus uh, stretching the bread so that there's more than enough for everyone. As Jesus feeds the crowd, he's actually showing us who he is. In verse 13, it says Jesus goes to a solitary place. In verse 15, the disciples call it a remote place. Solitary, remote. Actually, in the original Greek, it's the same word. And it means a desolate place, in the wilderness. The idea that the writer's trying to get across is that Jesus wants to go to be alone, but where he goes to be alone, you can think of it like the outback. He's out in the back of whoop-whoop, You know, there's tumbleweeds rolling through before the crowd gets there. Nothing around for miles. They're in the wilderness. And the wilderness gets mentioned twice. Remember, solitary place, remote place. It gets mentioned twice. And it's meant to actually clue us in to another time that God's people were in the wilderness. We read it back in Exodus chapter 16. Israel spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And where we read in Exodus 16 is right at the start of that time. Right at the start, before they've even uh, gone to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments and received the law, before their 40 years of wandering, they're in the wilderness and they're hungry. They need food. In fact, they're so hungry that they're like, Jesus, wasn't slavery better back in Egypt where we had something to eat? And amidst all that grumbling and hunger, God speaks in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. Let me read it again for us. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. When Israel in the wilderness hungry, God, through his servant Moses, provides bread from heaven for Israel. In the wilderness, bread from heaven for Israel. God miraculously provides for them bread, not just that one morning or that one week, but for 40 years, he provides bread from heaven in the wilderness. And so by the time Jesus rolls around, you know, over a thousand years later, Israel had great expectations about someone who would come who would be a new Moses, someone who would lead God's people like Moses did. Someone who would come and rescue, like Moses, God through Moses rescued Israel out of Egypt. And here's Jesus in the wilderness providing bread from heaven for Israel. Jesus is saying, I am the new Moses. Jesus is saying, I have come to provide for you, Israel. I have come to provide for God's people. Jesus has come to provide for us. But Jesus doesn't just bring us bread. He brings us something far better, something uh, that can't be satisfied with food. Jesus comes to give us a saviour. In fact, Jesus comes to be a saviour. Our greatest hunger and our greatest need that we have in our life, that we might not even be aware of, is the need for forgiveness. The need for a relationship restored with our God and Creator. And we can't do that ourselves, and so we're hungry for it. We're hungry to be back in right relationship with the God who made us and who loves us and who knows us. And here comes Jesus, the new Moses, who goes to the cross, who bleeds and dies for us, so that his blood, through his blood, we might be forgiven and that we might be restored to God. Then our relationship would be restored to him. Jesus provides for us, not just bread, but salvation. The deepest hunger we could ever have. A hunger so deep that many of us don't even realise we have it. Jesus provides. But as we keep looking into this miracle, we see that Jesus isn't simply saying he provides salvation, although it's not saying anything less than that. Jesus also provides for another hunger that many of us have. Another one of those deep hungers that we desperately long for. Many of us are hungry for compassion. We are hungry for compassion. Because many of us, we're hurting. We're deeply hurting. We've had relationships that are broken. We've lost people who we love. And that pain just doesn't go away. Well, not quickly and easily. Now, Everyone else might have moved on. They might be going on living their life, but we're still hurting. And it seems like they don't care anymore. Or maybe you're exhausted. It has been an exhausting couple of years. Lockdowns are exhausting. Worrying about work is exhausting. Raising kids at home is exhausting. Life is exhausting. And you know what? Everyone else is so exhausted that they can't give us a break to have a rest. Are you hurting? Are you exhausted? We are in desperate need for compassion, for someone who really cares, someone who doesn't just move on, but sits with us in our hurt, someone who, despite their exhaustion, gives us rest. And in this passage, we meet Jesus, and Jesus is also hurting, and Jesus is also exhausted. Look with me at verse 13. Verse thirteen, uh, the first verse of our passage here. Matthew chapter four, verse thirteen. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What did Jesus hear that had happened that prompts him to go and be alone? What did he hear? Well, it's in uh, at the start of this same chapter. So, come with me a couple of paragraphs earlier to chapter fourteen, verses one and two. It says, "At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard uh, the reports about Jesus." And he said to his attendants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead. That is why miraculous powers are at work in him. And the next few verses uh, before we reach where we're up to with Jesus uh, is kind of like a a quick uh, throwback to an event that happened in the past where Herod arrested John because John called him out for his sin, and Herod had him killed. So, so Herod, the, the leader of the land, has arrested John and had him killed and now he sees Jesus performing miracles and he says, that's John, that's John come back from the dead. Maybe John has possessed Jesus or, or, or we don't know exactly what he thought but, but he sees Jesus working these miracles and he sees John, his enemy, who he's killed. And Jesus, he's pretty clever, he puts two and two together and when he hears that Herod thinks he's John, He knows that his life is probably in danger, that Herod is going to be out to get him. And so Jesus, being wise, decides to leave the country. So he goes on a boat to the other side of the lake, outside of Herod's jurisdiction, outside of where Herod has control and can get him, and he goes to be alone. His friend, his cousin, John, has been killed He's, he's spent so much of his time preaching and teaching and now he goes to be alone, probably mourning the loss of his friend John, exhausted from his ministry, trying to be alone. But when he gets to the other side, what does he see there? 10,000 people waiting for him. Now, my one-year-old son, who's ducked outside, he probably has burning ears at this point, he has this amazing ability, Right? it is a skill that he's been developing over all his life the the minute i'm ready to hop into bed at night is the minute he knows to wake up and start crying when i'm just about to close my eyes and drift off to sleep that's when he's like i want dad and starts screaming and crying and up i get and go to him and sit on him and things like that i think that's what's happening to jesus here he's he's ready to have a rest he's reached the destination he's ready to just relax by himself with his disciples and boom, there's a crowd there, ready to meet him. Jesus doesn't get angry. He doesn't get frustrated like I often do. He doesn't yell at the crowd and say, get away from me, I need to be alone. He doesn't hop in the boat and just like, go off somewhere else and run away. No, what does he do? Verse 14, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. And he healed the sick. Jesus has compassion, even when he's exhausted, even when he's hurting. And so he begins healing and healing and healing all the way into the evening. Even though I bet all he wanted to do was have a rest, have some time alone, probably spend some time in prayer with his father like he often did. But you see, Jesus saw that this crowd was hungry for compassion. It says that the crowd had raced around the lake to meet him there and they've brought their sick, they've probably carried their sick with them. They are hungry for compassion, and so they come all this way just to meet Jesus. And Jesus spends the whole day pouring himself out for them, taking on their burdens and problems and healing them. As a quick side, I was watching a video this morning where they mentioned a tweet, I don't know if you guys are on Twitter or not, I'm not, so I have to watch videos to hear about these tweets. And there's this a little bit of a discussion on Twitter a little while ago where someone said, don't you think people should ask us for permission before they lay their burdens on us? And they gave an example of what you could say if someone comes to you in a crisis. And they're like, I understand that you're hurting, I understand that you need support and friendship right now, uh, but I'm I'm unable to give that to you, let's connect at a later date. And it just felt cold and miserable and almost corporate. You wouldn't want to hear it from a friend, If Jesus had said that to the crowd, guys, look, I'm tired, I'm hurting, Um, let's connect at a later date and I'll have compassion on you. We would have a very different Jesus. But that's not Jesus. He keeps pouring himself out, even when tired and hurting. Jesus keeps showing compassion on the crowd long into the evening. And when the disciples say, send them away, he says, no, I want to keep sharing compassion with them, showing compassion to them. Jesus sets aside his feelings and he comforts and cares for us. That is who Jesus is. Are you hungry for compassion? Now, my guess is that we're all at least a little bit hungry for compassion. We all live in a broken world. We all ourselves are broken and have relationships with broken people. We're all tired from two years of COVID and life. and We could all use a bit of compassion. So come to Jesus and find compassion in him. Jesus pours himself out for us to the point where he goes to the cross and dies for us. It hurt him. He suffered. He experienced it all. He knows what it's like. He lost people too, John the Baptist. He experienced broken relationship when he was forsaken on the cross. He knows exhaustion and hunger and pain, yet he is full of compassion for us. So come to him. We've seen that Jesus satisfies our hunger for salvation, he satisfies our hunger for compassion. And lastly, he satisfies our hunger for hope. And isn't our world just hungry for hope? Now, maybe more than ever, I think people are aware that our world is deeply broken. Think about just the last month. In the last month, how many thousands of people have been affected by the floods in Queensland and New South Wales? Livelihoods destroyed, people have died, homes have been ruined. The war in Ukraine, I looked it up yesterday, 15,000 people have already died. Three million people have been displaced. It's been difficult for people to get out of that country. Our world is deeply broken, and that's just the last month. I'm sure you can think of a dozen examples off the top of your head from the last year. Our world needs hope. We need hope. And here is Jesus feeding a crowd with a pack of bread rolls and two small fish. And he prepares this enormous feast a feast for 10,000 plus leftovers. And you want this feast. As amazing as it is, it pales in comparison to another feast that he's preparing, an even greater feast, a banquet, a banquet in heaven. This is, this is just catering experience for Jesus, for that big, better, eternal banquet. And this banquet is for anyone who would come to Jesus. It's an open invitation. Jesus says, come to me and you will feast on this banquet for all eternity Come to me and you'll have hope of being satisfied forever. Jesus offers us real hope in heaven where there's no more pain or suffering or exhaustion, where our tears are wiped away. There's no more wars or flood or sickness or pandemics or anything like that. It is hope for a broken world, a world that is restored and renewed, made fresh and good and perfect. Now, I love a good buffet. I love a good buffet. I used to have this uh, yearly meeting where me and two other guys who were running this kids club, we would go to a breakfast buffet and review the year that we've just had and plan for the year to come. So, we'd go to this buffet, we'd spend a bit of money and we'd stay there all morning reviewing while stuffing our mouths full of food, right? And I, breakfast buffets have to be my absolute favourite kind of buffet. I love breakfast food. I'd go there and get a stack of pancakes, then move on to the bacon and eggs, and then all the fresh pastries, and sure, there's cereal there, but there's cereal at home, so I'm not wasting my time filling up in cereal. Uh, all the different kinds of juices, they had some, it was some kind of mixed berry juice, I don't, I don't actually know what was in it, It's red, that's why I assume it's mixed berry juice, it's the best juice I've ever had. They had a barista there, just slinging coffees, yogurt, fresh food. We used to stay there for hours, like four hours, going round after round after round and I loved every minute of it. But when it comes to a buffet, you have to be strategic, right? You don't eat breakfast before you go. <sighs> that's, that's amateur hour. What I would do is, the night before, if I ate dinner at all, it would be a very small dinner, just something to keep me going. But more often than not, I wouldn't eat dinner, maybe I'd even skip lunch so that the hunger builds and that by the morning I'm ready to go, right? That I'm all completely empty, ready to be filled up with bacon and eggs and waffles and pancakes and things like that. And you know, the thing that got me through the night of being really desperately hungry was knowing what was going to come in the morning, was knowing the breakfast that I was going to have. I could put up with being hungry because of what was to come. As hungry as I was the night before, I could deal with it because I knew the feast ...that I'd have in the morning. And as painful as this broken world is... ...we can endure through it... ...because we know of the heavenly feast that is coming. We know that what is to come is far better and far greater. That all things will be restored and made new and perfect. And that enables us to endure now. And you know what? No one can take that away from us. If we come to Jesus no matter how hurt or broken we are, that can't be taken away from us. Our hope is solid and it is sure. Now let me finish with this. We've seen that Jesus is able to satisfy some of our greatest hungers. Not simply, I'm hungry for lunch or I'm hungry for breakfast, but our hunger for salvation, our hunger for compassion and our hunger for hope. But How do we find our satisfaction in Jesus? What do we do to experience our hunger being fulfilled in Jesus? Well, let me read from Philippians chapter 4. If you have the Bible, you might want to flick over with me. Philippians chapter 4, a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and this is his words. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. I think one way we can sum up salvation and compassion and hope is in peace. Peace. Because salvation, is that not peaceful relationship with God being restored? We're in our peace with God, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Or compassion is having peace brought into a situation where we are hurting and exhausted. Or peace can be we have hope for peace in the future. And that actually brings us peace now, knowing that what's to come. I think peace can helpfully sum up these things. And here Paul says, don't be anxious about your life and the pain and the hurts in it, but bring them to God and he will bring you peace. Bring them to God in prayer. Regularly come to God with your worries and your hurts and anxieties and ask God to fill you up where you are hungry and God will bring you peace. That's why prayer is such a powerful and important tool in our life. That's why that prayer meeting, or prayer day rather, is going to be so helpful. We're going to ask God to do amazing things, but we're also going to have the opportunity to ask God to bring us peace to bring our anxieties and our hurts and our worries to Him so that we might really experience our salvation, experience compassion from God and experience the hope that He gives us. And so if you are hungry today, come to God in prayer. Come to God in prayer at our prayer day. Come to God in prayer even after the service, as you talk to one another and love and share with one another. Come to God in prayer as a daily habit Come to God in prayer as a reflex for how you're feeling. And maybe you won't feel it straight away. You might. You might pray, God, let me experience these things and all of a sudden you have some sense that you you feel this thing straight away. That's not often how God works. He might, but that's not often. Rather, what we do is we keep praying and keep bringing these things before God and keep sharing our hungers with Him. Over time, we will look back and go, you know what, I was really hungry then and I'm not as hungry now because God has filled me up and satisfied me. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you satisfy our hungers through your son Jesus. Father, we are hungry for salvation. We are desperate for forgiveness and a right relationship with you. Thank you that Jesus provides. Father, we are desperately hungry for compassion We are hurting and we are exhausted. Thank you that Jesus provides. Father, we are hungry for hope. Our world is hungry for hope. Thank you that Jesus provides. Father, would you help us to experience the satisfaction that we find in Jesus? Amen.